Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. A lot of you are awfully tired this morning as you start your day or finish your day, as the case may be, across the entirety of the country. What a game we saw last night. There was so much to unpack down the stretch that it's almost hard to keep track of what went down exactly. So let's kind of work our way through all of the controversies embedded in the final couple of minutes of the game. And uh, we'll play you some audio clips from all of this. But to me, let's start with the situation where Kevin Durant's going to the basket. And it's there's 40 seconds left in the game. So at that point, LeBron James has scored has gotten the uh, the, the three-point play, and the Cleveland Cavaliers are up two points. I believe I'm correct in all that. There are 40 seconds remaining in the game uh, when Kevin Durant goes to the basket and LeBron James attempts to draw a charge. And if you go back and watch this play in slow motion or just multiple times, what you will see is something interesting that has not been very much discussed which is it seems clear to me that the two officials on the floor have two different charges uh, calls that they are planning to make simultaneously they look at each other and the referee on the baseline takes command of the situation and calls a charge on Kevin Durant but if you slow this down you will see the official that LeBron James is looking at when he is on the ground go directly to both of his hands on his hips as if he is going to call a block and then the official on the baseline looks at him and he stops and doesn't end up completing his official call and then we get the charge from the other end of the uh, court. And in fact, when you look at LeBron James, 
you can see him reacting to what he sees is going to be a block charge before he realizes the official behind him has called it a charge. This is, for officials out there, a one of these awful situations that sometimes happens in bang-bang plays where you end up with what's called a blarge, a block and a charge simultaneous, and one of those calls has to end up taking precedence. Now, what they ended up doing was they went to the monitor to review whether LeBron James was in the restricted area, but I think what they also ended up doing, and clearly they did, and since 2012-13 they've had the ability to do this, was inside of two minutes, if they get a call wrong, even if it's a judgment call, then they have the ability to go back and change it, and I think they got the call right here. We spend a lot of time criticizing officials for not being willing to change calls, for getting calls wrong. I think when you watch that play over and over again, LeBron James was guilty of a block. He was not set. He was sideways. In slow motion, the call was correct. It was a a, a block, not a charge. So I think the NBA officials actually got this wrong. For people out there who believe that the NBA is fixed, if that's the argument you want to roll with, this is the worst decision the NBA could have made to benefit the league. The NBA and ESPN and ABC and everybody else out there wants this series to go as many games as it possibly can because that's where they're unlocking more value out of this series. Most of the money in any series is made on games six and seven. If it goes five games or less, the television partner tends to lose money. That's especially the case in the NBA where based on what ESPN is paying for this thing, they may lose money no matter what. So if you really believe that the fix was in or you're out there and you're like, these officials were trying to change the outcome of the game, if the officials wanted to put the fix in, the way to go was in favor of Cleveland because Cleveland winning game one would have changed the narrative of this series and helped probably, probably, to guarantee that there would be at least six games. Yes, the Warriors still could have won four straight, including both in Cleveland, but the odds of that happening would have been relatively low. The odds of that happening would have still been unlikely, whereas now, I think there's a possibility the Cleveland Cavaliers collapse going forward. We'll talk about that as we continue to unpack this game. All right, so Kevin Durant, to his credit, not a lot of attention paid to it, steps to the line down two, drains both free throws. The Cavs come back in the opposite direction with possession, okay? Uh, With possession, I believe I am uh, correct in this. Uh, And and again, I need to look at that. Let me go into the play-by-play and break it down because obviously the J.R. Smith play was unbelievably seismically incredible. Uh, The Cavs come back down the other direction, and we get a uh, we get a missed shot, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to go scroll through the play-by-play, and in fact, I'm doing that right now. And, and we come back down the other direction, and Steph Curry goes to the basket. Okay, LeBron makes the driving layup with 32 seconds to go to make it 106 to 104. Um, and then we come back the other direction, and Steph Curry makes a driving layup and gets fouled. And so he makes the free throw to go up 107-106 with 23 and a half seconds left. At that point in time, it doesn't seem like the Cavs have a great play they are running 
LeBron rifles a pass inside. Clay Thompson grabs George Hill. Clear foul, correct call made there. And with 4.7 seconds left in the game, George Hill goes to the free throw line. The Cavs at this point are down one. He makes the first free throw. Then he misses the second free throw. And I still can't believe I saw what happened on the court at this point in time. J.R. Smith gets the rebound. First of all, this is a story in and of itself. And I got to be honest, I was saying this uh, on my couch at the time. The Cavs out-rebounded the Warriors on the offensive end 19-4. to I don't remember the last time I saw a box score where two teams, which are relatively even, it's not like one team has infinitely better big men than another. We're not talking about a college basketball game where you've got North Carolina going up against Mount St. Mary's. We're talking about two teams that are relatively even, and the Cleveland Cavaliers got 15 more offensive rebounds than the Golden State Warriors. And J.R. Smith gets the rebound. So that in and of itself is inexcusable off of a free throw situation. J.R. Smith gets the rebound, and despite what J.R. Smith says, I believe he had no clue, no clue whatsoever that this game was actually tied. You could see him say it on, uh, read it from his lips as he dribbled the ball out. Now, I think J.R. Smith was so outside the bounds of normal play here that the rest of the Cleveland Cavaliers froze for a moment because all of them could have called timeout as well, as could Ty Lue. And I think what happened was J.R. Smith made such a bad basketball play that everybody else for an instant froze. Whereas if he had gone up and gotten the rebound and just immediately like sort of curled over and tried to protect the ball, I think a lot of his teammates would have called for the timeout. What J.R. Smith should have done is when he got the rebound, he was in the lane. J.R. Smith lives to take shots. This guy has never passed up a shot that he didn't like in his entire career. He should have gone right back up with the shot there in the paint and attempted to end the game, make a shot, and go up uh, two points right there in the paint or get fouled because the Warriors could scramble to try to defend him. I mean, that was an incredibly high percentage shot if J.R. Smith gets the rebound and immediately goes back up. In J.R. Smith's defense, one, I think he didn't know the score. Two, I don't think he was he was really expecting to get the offensive rebound on the free throw. I would bet that he was in some way thinking about what he was going to do on the defensive side of the ball. But I can forgive a lot. I cannot forgive mental errors. I coach six and seven-year-old boys basketball. The kids... If they made this error in the game, I would be really upset with my six and seven-year-olds not knowing the game situation, much less being a grown man, being a veteran in this league, having already been on a team that won a championship, and you're making $13 million a year. To me, J.R. Smith, failing to know the game situation here is a lot worse than Chris Weber calling a timeout at the end of Michigan-North Carolina when Michigan had no timeouts left. It's a lot easier for me to, uh, to to think in that situation. If you remember back in 1993 when Chris Weber goes to take the timeout, that's a natural basketball play when you get trapped. Your mind immediately thinks, oh, I should take a timeout. 
In a tie basketball game, when you get a rebound and the clock is running down, your mind should think, get the ball up on the rim. Every single part of J.R. Smith's decision-making would have said, screamed, get the ball up on the rim. Now, J.R. Smith is lying now, I believe, in the postgame and saying, oh, I knew it was a tie game, but uh, I was taking it out to try to make sure that we got a good uh, good shot. Uh, here's his audio, by the way. We need to play this. I haven't even heard this audio. I've read the quotes, but I haven't heard the audio yet. J.R. Smith, after the game, was asked about his decision, and this is what he had to say. Take us through that sequence with four seconds left in the game. Um, well, George shot a free throw. Um, I got the rebound. Um, we were tie ball game. Um, we had a timeout, and I was trying to get enough space because uh, I obviously can't stand it right there. Um, trying to get enough space to bring it out to get it, maybe get a shot off. And then I see him. I looked. I looked over at Brian. He looked like he was trying to call a timeout, so I just stopped. And then uh, the game was over. You knew you were tied. You didn't think you were leading. No, I seen it. I knew it was a tie. It's just I thought we was gonna call a timeout because I got the rebound. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody didn't think I was gonna shoot over Katie right there. So on the replay, on the replay, it looked like you said to LeBron, "I thought we were ahead." If what? I thought we were ahead, then I, I would have just held on to the ball that was fouled me. But we, clearly, that wasn't the case. Jr., did you not on the replay? It doesn't look like you have a clear layup. I mean, there's two guys there, and you had no clear pass to the basket. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I saw KD standing right next to me. Um, he had, he already had, what, four blocks, so I wasn't about to be the fifth. JR, does this feel like one that got away tonight? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, we had a couple opportunities to win a game. Um, ball to the whistle, ball bounce the ball, just didn't go our way. Were you guys rattled by that reverse call? Um... I was. Uh, I'm sure some of my teammates were, but that's to be expected, I guess. All right, that's J.R. Smith. Uh, I'm going to open up the phone lines. I want your reactions. I'll bring in the crew when we come back. 877-996-6369. We will continue to unpack what was a classic game. And I think LeBron James, as monumental and magisterial as he was, going for 51 points, I think most people are going to remember J.R. Smith's boneheaded play to the extent that they remember this game going forward for a very long time. Now, we still have to wait and see how the Cavs are going to respond here. If they come out and they get blown out, then this series is probably over if they lose game two. Uh, I know that the uh, that the Cavs came back down 0-2 at this, against the Celtics. This is a different team. The Warriors are. And it's important to keep in mind, the Cavs in the playoffs – had been 7-1 and one in games decided down the stretch that were close. This is only the second time they've lost a close game. The other one was game three against the Indiana Pacers. When you are playing the Golden State Warriors, you have to win the close games because there's a good chance they are going to blow you out a couple of times in a seven-game series. Ask the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets won pretty much both of the close games in their series in game five or game four and in game five and so they ended up losing game seven in what was a relatively close game but in three of those losses they got blown out and I think this was a bad bad situation for the Cavs because I legitimately don't believe LeBron James can play any better than he did in game one and the Warriors still won 
again, the Cavs out-rebounded them on the offensive side by 15, and the Warriors still won. I think that's incredibly troubling when you break down this game overall. All right, your phone calls, 877-996-6369. I'm going to put up the poll question, which was a dumber play, the Chris Webber timeout or the J.R. Smith letting the clock run out? I obviously do not believe him. You could read his lips on the court. He thought that they were in a situation where the Cavs were up one point and that he was going to run out the clock there after the George Hill free throw miss. And you can see LeBron James pointing at him. He suddenly turns and goes back in the direction of the basket. But by that time, the Cavs could not get a shot off. We will unspool, unpack, discuss all of this and more. I am Clay Travis. Thanks for waking up early with us or staying up late, as the case may be, if you're on the West Coast. This is Fox Sports Radio. It's over. You thought we were up one. No, I seen it. I knew we were tired. It was just I thought we was gonna call a timeout because I got the rebound. I'm pretty sure everybody didn't think I was gonna shoot over Katie right there. When he got the rebound, he probably could have laid it up. But nonetheless, you know, that's that's a part of the game. Being locked in and I mean you gotta know the score. That's just kind of basketball. Like you gotta know if you're winning or losing or tie. So we'll take it and you know, sometimes it's good to be a little lucky. So cool. It is what it is. By the way, how about J.R. Smith acting like it would have been a big deal to get his shot blocked in a tie game with four seconds left? I love that being his go-to. What do you want me to do? Get blocked by Kevin Durant? Yeah. Yeah, I want you to shoot the basketball when the clock is running out instead of dribbling it back out and ending up throwing the ball to the corner for a crazy three that wouldn't have counted anyway. I don't know why the why the reporters didn't follow up there. Like, I understand Kevin Durant's got several blocks. First of all, it ain't like Kevin Durant's Nikembe Mutombo. All right? Let's be honest. I have watched Kevin Durant play a lot of basketball games in my life. At no point have I ever thought, this guy's defense is insurmountable. Second, he's got to be careful not to foul in that situation. And it's J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith acting like he's afraid somebody's going to block his shot. This dude has been taking shots from half court his entire NBA career. J.R. Smith is the worst wide-open jump shooter I have seen in a long time. The guy doesn't make a three-pointer unless there's three guys running at him and there's 22 seconds left on the shot clock. J.R. Smith draining the three when they were up down 11, I think it was, in overtime and the shot didn't matter at all is the quintessential J.R. Smith play, as is not knowing what the score of the game was. Welcome back in the Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Here is the other thing about this game that we haven't even talked about yet. The overtime situation... If you want to criticize the officials, I thought they lost control of the game a little bit there at the end when I didn't think that Tristan Thompson deserved to be tossed out of the game. I understand what the officials saw with the elbow. I think that was a pretty aggressive officiating move to toss Tristan Thompson in that situation. Call the foul if you need to 
or just let the shot be missed and let the clock run out and let the ball be dribbled out instead of doing the review like we ended up with. Plus, if you really broke it down, Tristan Thompson may be considered to have thrown a punch there. He might be suspended for game two. If I'm in the NBA office, I don't suspend him because I think the call in the first place was a bad one to toss him out of the game. But he came really close to taking a swing at Draymond Green and the way that he shoved the basketball in Draymond Green's face, by and large, oftentimes could have uh, caused a melee. So there were a lot of issues in this game, much that could be broken down. Again, for those of you just waking up, I think the officials got the block charge call ultimately right. I think there's no way that J.R. Smith knew what the score of this game was. I think he blew it. He made, to me, the discussion, instead of being how supremely great LeBron James was on the court, he was uh, really bad in crunch time. Uh, Poll question is up. Which was the dumber play in a classic basketball game, the Chris Webber timeout or J.R. Smith for getting the score was tied and letting the clock run out? To me, J.R. Smith is much worse than Chris Webber. First of all, Chris Webber, yeah, choke in the background there. Chris Webber is a college kid. Secondly, they're down two, and he gets the rebound and brings it into the front court. Remember, he walked. If you remember that game back in 1993, he got the rebound and started to run before he dribbled, so they missed a travel on Chris Webber. But then he gets into the front court, and he gets trapped, and your natural inclination very often when you play basketball is to call timeout when you get trapped. So to me, the Chris Webber call, given adding in the fact that he's 19 years old at the time that he does it, versus being a professional basketball player making $13 million a year to play the game, it's inexcusable that J.R. Smith loses control, loses thought on the score there, particularly when you're at the free throw line. There's lots of time to sit at the free throw line and think about the situation in the game. You have the foul happen. There's 4.7 seconds left in on the game you have time as you're deciding where you're going to line up for the free throw to look up at the scoreboard to familiarize yourself with the situation after he makes the first free throw everybody steps off the free throw line again and you get the opportunity to look up at the scoreboard and familiarize yourself with the game situation once more it's not as if the clock was in full speed running in this situation J.R. Smith not knowing all those situations to me is by far worse than Chris Weber. All right, I'm going to bring in the crew. Again, the phone lines, 877-996-6369. I should mention in an hour or two, we're going to talk to Brandon Wright, current NBA player, about this situation and see what he thought as he was watching it live. That should be interesting and instructive to hear from a current NBA player about what he thought of that end-of-game situation. But first, let me go ahead and bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. Then I'll bring in the crew. We'll also take your calls. You can vote in the poll question. A lot going on this Friday morning uh, across uh, the nation. Appreciate you all joining us. Uh, Eddie Garcia, what's shaking, my man? Well, let's start with your Geico playoff report. Game one of the NBA Finals, very eventful in the end overtime for the Warriors to beat the Cavaliers 124-114. to Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson all had over 24 points, and Draymond Green was one assist away from a triple-double as Golden State grabs the 1-0 series lead. In the loss for Cleveland, LeBron James had 51 points, and Kevin Love 
did play after the concussion. Uh, 21 points, 13 rebounds for him, but still not enough to get the Cavaliers the victory. Game two will be Sunday in Oakland. In baseball, we had the Astros beating the Red Sox 4-2 in a battle of division leaders, and the Braves knock off the Nationals 4-2. That was uh, a battle for first in the NL East Atlanta, moving in front of Washington by a half game uh, in the division with that win. This report brought to you by Geico. Online car shopping can be confusing. We're not in war with the true price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Let's play J.R. Smith one more time because I do think that instead of just admitting to his error, J.R. Smith has compounded it by trying to claim that he was doing something that I think everybody watching knows he was not. One more time here is J.R. Smith explaining his decision with the game tied when he got the rebound off the George Hill missed free throw, the decision to dribble the ball out. He claims that he was trying to avoid making sure that Kevin Durant blocked his shot again. There's four seconds left. If your shot gets blocked, it gets blocked. And I don't think that Kevin Durant was actually in that good of a defensive posture. I think J.R. Smith could have easily gotten a shot up on the rim. But regardless, here is J.R. Smith. Take us through that sequence with four seconds left in the game. Um, well, George shot a free throw. Um, I got the rebound. Um, we were tie ball game. Um, we had a timeout. And I was trying to get enough space because uh, I obviously can't just stand right there. Um, trying to get enough space to bring it out to get it, maybe get a shot off. And then I see him. I looked. I looked over at Brian, he looked like he was trying to call a timeout, so I just stopped, and then uh, the game was over. You knew you were tied, you didn't think you were leading? No, I seen it, I knew we were tied, it's just, I thought we was gonna call a timeout because I got the rebound. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody didn't think I was gonna shoot over Katie right there, so. Why not, if you thought, if you truly thought that, why not take the timeout yourself instead of waiting for somebody else to take the timeout? J.R. Smith thought that he was avoiding being fouled by getting that rebound and dribbling it out like he did. Now, he's the the way th- sometimes you get bailed out in situations like this because you're making such a dumb play that you cause everybody else to also have a dumb play. You ever have that situation where somebody says something so dumb or so wrong that you don't immediately correct them because you think to yourself for a minute, wait, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the person who's got this wrong and I'm going to look like an idiot. It's like when somebody starts running the wrong way on the football field, you know how sometimes guys chase them and then tackle them even though they're headed towards their own end zone? You go watch some of these uh, some of these uh, folly plays, some of these goofball, uh, the, the, the things that don't go perfectly. Guy picks up a fumble or gets an interception, breaks a couple of tackles, and starts to run the wrong way. Inevitably, there's always a bunch of guys chasing him, trying to tackle him, because that's what they're used to. They're not anticipating that he's just going to take the ball and run full sprint the opposite direction. And the teammates will start blocking for him, too. Because that's how our brains work. When somebody does something so wrong, a lot of times we end up following along because we think, oh, there's no way he could be this wrong. I must be the wrong one. I mean, I'm telling you, it's amazing how often the guy running the wrong way on the football field picks up a convoy of blockers. It's amazing how many times guys who should just let him run into the end zone and get a safety will end up trying to tackle him to keep him from getting to the end zone because that's what you're conditioned to do. 
it wouldn't have stunned me, honestly, if one of the Warriors had fouled him because they had thought, oh my God, J.R. Smith's going to dribble out the game and then we're going to end up losing. Sometimes that happens. A dumb play is compounded by another dumb play. So I don't really blame the other Cavs players for not immediately taking a timeout. But if J.R. Smith truly thought they were up one point and that he was worried about getting fouled, then he should have taken a timeout so they could inbound the ball and so they could run off more time. He was trying to run off more time. He thought he was doing the smart thing. By the way, we're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Justin Cooper, you just said, I honestly thought, why isn't anyone fouling? Because the reaction was so dumb that it threw you into that thought process too. Yeah, I was I was watching the game and and I thought it was over for a second. He he's running away and I thought foul him, foul him. And then the game ends and I and I looked down. I was like, oh oh yeah, it's tied. So <laughs> yeah, he, and- he he fooled the Golden State Warriors broadcast team for a second as well. Well, I mean, again, I think it's natural if you're in that situation. Nobody wants to make an egregious error. And that's why a lot of times guys tighten up because instead of just playing the game, you try to avoid making a bad mistake. And ultimately, I think that's a lot of what teaching a player in clutch situations to do is play like it's not a tie game. Play like the game is not going to come down to this shot. Play the game the exact same as you would have if it weren't a close game. And if you can do that, then a lot of the pressure diminishes because you just rely on the repetition and the practice and all of the times that you have played basketball or football or whatever it is throughout your life. But if you overthink something, you can find yourself into a really difficult situation. I don't know why J.R. Smith wouldn't just admit to the boneheaded play. If he had come out and he had said, which I think is probably true, look, I apologize. I wasn't expecting to get the rebound on that free throw miss. I was focused on playing defense. And so when I got the rebound there, instead of immediately going back up, which is the play I should have made, I thought for just a fraction of an instant, oh my God, I got this rebound. I'm going to run the clock out now. And when I dribbled it back out, I saw LeBron James and suddenly realized that we were in a tie game. It's completely on me. There are no excuses. Uh, Kids out there who are playing basketball, learn from me. Even if you're a professional athlete, sometimes you can make a boneheaded play. I feel awful because LeBron James scored 51 points, and now all everybody's going to be talking about is the way this game ended. That's unfortunate. I blew it. This one's on me. I got to be infinitely better in game two, and that's what I'm focused on now. If J.R. Smith says that after the game, I think a ton of people out there forgive him. Even if you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, even if you are furious about the way this game went down, I think the huge majority of the American population out there says, look, nobody's perfect. Even though he's making $13 million a year, he is not perfect. He made a bad mistake. This is a teaching opportunity for people who play basketball or any sport. I coach, like I said, six and seven-year-old boys basketball. I coach baseball. What are you always telling the kids at that age? Think about what you're going to do if you get the ball before you get it. Because it's easy to panic if you get the ball and you haven't before the ball was hit to you in your head already done the mental reps to know what you're going to do. I think J.R. Smith, frankly, was stunned that he got the rebound, the 19th offensive rebound that the Cleveland Cavaliers were going to get during the course of that game or close to it 
They out-rebounded the Golden State Warriors by 15. And I think it's unfortunate for LeBron James, who may have played the best game of his career in the playoffs. And instead of that, the focal point and the memory and everything else associated with it is going to be J.R. Smith's decision-making. Let me go ahead and go to break here. Then, like I said, I will bring in the crew. I also will open the uh, open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. As we're going to break, let's hear from LeBron James about his reaction to this game. From listening to everybody's reaction to the play at the end with JR getting the rebound, there's still confusion about whether JR thought the game was tied or, the way, or whether he thought you guys were ahead. From where you stood on the court and from talking to him after the play, what what's your reaction to it? What's your version? What do you mean? What's my version? Well, did he think that the game was tied, or did he think that you guys had it salted away? How do I know that? Or did you discuss it at all with him at the end of the play? No. They asked me if I talked to Jr. about it. I said no already. I knew it was a tie game. We met, we, we was down one. Um, George Hill went up. He made the first one. We got the offensive rebound. I thought we were all aware of what was going on. That's my view. So. I don't know what JR was thinking. I don't know the question you're trying to ask. I was just trying to see if you, you knew exactly what his state of mind was. Did he think that you guys had it won, or did he think he was trying to make a play? No. Not sure. Okay. What do you mean? I'm not sure. No, I don't know his state of mind. Did you know if he knew the score? Thank you. I don't blame the questioning there. That's a fantastic ending. And I also don't blame LeBron James if he had said, look, I just played the damn game of my life and I got a teammate who was such a knucklehead that couldn't he couldn't even keep track of the score. I wouldn't blame him at all. Boom. I'd be out like that with LeBron. Uh, we'll come back. We'll discuss. Uh, I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Unlike J.R. Smith, we promise to be back on time and know the situation in this show. This is Outkick the Coverage. Tristan Thompson's been ejected. Tony Brothers threw him out. He did not like Livingston shooting the ball. And now Tristan Thompson goes after Draymond Green. Somebody better beware. Absolutely classic game. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Updating you on the poll question, thousands of you rolling in to vote which was the dumber play in a classic basketball game. The Chris Webber timeout or J.R. Smith forgetting the score was tied and letting the clock run out. 70% of you saying J.R. Smith letting the clock run out was the dumber play. Like I said, in the first uh, 15 minutes or so here, thousands of you rolling in. Jason Martin, are you with me? This is going to be the J.R. Smith stupidity game as opposed to the greatest game that LeBron James has ever played in the NBA Finals? Uh, Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We're never going to forget this. It's a game one finish that like you think about great game one finishes or just memorable game one finishes and really the only other one that I ever even think of is Nick Anderson boneheaded missing those four free throws in a row leading to the magic losing to the Rockets when Kenny Smith was able to hit a three to take that game in and then they end up getting swept afterwards 
Like this was, I thought the Weber play wasn't even close to this because there were assistant coaches on Michigan's sideline telling Chris Weber to call a timeout. They've gone back and looked through that footage, and the assistants have come out and, and praised Weber for not ever throwing them under the bus for what happened. There was nobody on the sidelines for the Cleveland Cavaliers last night saying, JR, dribble out. The timeout was nothing compared to the dribble out. And J.R. Smith, look, I feel bad for you know him in that moment and knowing what he did. Ty Lue said after the game he thought it was over. Quote, he thought we were up one. That's what he said. Well, you so could see him say it on the court to LeBron yes. James. Yes, and LeBron, to his credit, by the way, in that press conference, I think he's trying to avoid throwing Tristan Thompson under the bus and saying – Look, the guy's an idiot and he screwed up. He's trying Smith. to protect his teammate there. But I also think the media person who's pressing LeBron James on the question, that's the exact question that he should be asking. LeBron James was there as an eyewitness. If LeBron just says, yeah, he told me. He told me that he thought we were up one. If he says what I think the truth is, which we all saw on that timeout, I mean, on that replay, then LeBron is feels like he's probably throwing Tristan Thompson under the bus. And maybe one of the Cavs media people had told LeBron, hey, Tristan's claiming that he didn't didn't think it was like, okay, so he's trying to protect himself. Again, I think this is on, uh, to me, this is on J.R. Smith. Just admit what you did, but he's obviously not willing to do that. And so he's lying. And now he puts everybody else in the position of having to confirm or deny his lie which is a tough situation and I think just prolongs this storyline as opposed to him just coming out and saying, look, I made a boneheaded play. Yeah, and he said two different things that sort of contradicted each other, first of all. And then to Justin's point about why isn't anyone fouling, why didn't JR think that? Because you would think that JR would not expect that he's a bull and everybody in a Warriors uniform is suddenly a matador. You would think that if the Cavs are up one and he gets a rebound, everybody would mug him immediately, yet no one did. They cleared the path for him like, go right ahead, JR, dribble five feet beyond the three-point line. Like The whole thing is just amazing to me, and I'm sitting there as it happens, and I say, what are you doing, JR? And then the clock ran out, and I think that's exactly what every other Cavalier thought in that moment as well and the coaches on the sidelines they had no idea what he was doing and by the time they realized he didn't know and he didn't know the score the clock had run out and you knew as soon as that thing went to overtime it was a wrap you knew the Warriors were going to win and what happened with Tristan Thompson later uh, that is not a surprise to me because that was the ultimate Draymond Green moment Draymond knew when they got to overtime this is my time they are on tilt They are volatile. They are emotional wrecks right now after what just happened. So I'm going to take center stage. And he did. He started jawing. He started dancing around. We don't talk about the fact that even though he hit a couple of threes late, pretty much hit the front of the rim, made love to it all night long every time he had an opportunity to take a jump shot until a few down the stretch. But Draymond Green in that moment went full-on Rodman. He knew he could get under their skin and cause problems. Maybe he could get somebody to throw a punch at him, which is basically almost what ended up happening there with Tristan Thompson. So this whole thing became a calamity of errors. I don't imagine that we're going to think of a more memorable game in a long time than that one. Unfortunately, for all the wrong reasons, it was such a great game. It was only the sixth time in the NBA Finals somebody has hit 50, and the first time somebody has hit 50 has actually lost. And Kevin Durant 
was bailed out by J.R. Smith because Kevin Durant was one of seven from three and eight of 22 in the game and seemed again to be shrinking in a big moment down the stretch. But then J.R. Smith decided, hold my beer, I've got this, and he handled this. I'm afraid this is going to turn into a laugher of a series now because I really thought maybe we were going to get something special based on how this thing was playing out. But the easiest one to steal is always game one. LeBron knows that. He can't give you seven games like he gave you last night, not at his age. We've seen him have to take nights off in all of these other series. You squandered a 51-point game from LeBron, where one of the great performances I've ever seen in the NBA Finals. I felt so bad for LeBron. I also felt bad for JR. I mean, it's boneheaded and we feel terrible about that. And it's just like, look, you can't make that mistake. But J.R. Smith has to feel like the worst human being on the planet. Yeah, and I, I think don't he feel was bad just flailing afterwards. I don't feel bad for him. When you make $13 million a year and you can't keep up with the score on a free throw situation, I don't feel bad for him at all. He's well paid and well compensated to not make that mistake. Again, I coach six and seven year old boys basketball. If one of my kids got a rebound there and did what J.R. Smith did, I would be upset with him. By the way, J.R. Smith was so out of bounds in terms of his stupidity. We haven't heard this yet, but the Cavs announcers were confused. The Warriors announcer was confused. He was so outside the bounds of normal behavior. Listen to them trying to call the end of this game. Hill bends, spins, shoots. It's short. Rebound grabbed by J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith dribbles it to the far side, throws to Hill. The game is tied at 107. We're going to overtime. We've got five more minutes. What a crazy finish. J.R. Smith thought they had the lead. He dribbled it out to midcourt. What is he doing? Well, that's J.R. Smith. Four seconds still remain. The Warriors do have a timeout. George Hill again takes the basketball. Three deliberate dribbles. A 10-year veteran with a moderate knee bend. It's up. It's short. It's grabbed by J.R. Smith. Smith going to run it out. I think JR didn't know how much time was left. JR trying to dribble up near the timeline, and we're going to overtime. Oh my goodness, I think JR thought the Cavs had the lead. He grabbed the loose ball, dribbled up near midcourt, and by the time he decided to pass it to somebody, the clock had expired. We're going to overtime. That's the Golden State Radio Network and the Cavs Radio Network. The Cavs is great because they did exactly what I think a lot of players on the court did. The only way this could have been more amazing is if the Warriors had fouled him because they thought, based on his reaction, that they needed to be fouling too. Uh, But J.R. Smith with one of the all-time epic brain collapses in a crucible moment there. And I do believe that it's likely that the Cavs are in trouble now because, again, they were 7-1 and in close games. They've almost won every possible time when they needed to down the stretch. And if you don't beat the Warriors in close games, they have shown in these playoffs they're going to blow you out a lot. We'll continue to talk about it next on OutKick. Live from the Geico OutKick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. If you're just waking up, we had an epic classic Game one of the NBA Finals. LeBron James goes for 51, probably his best playoff performance maybe ever. Certainly his best NBA Finals performance ever, I would say. And instead, the storyline is going to be all about his knucklehead teammate. Uh, Two big stories, I would say, down the stretch. One, the block charge call being reviewed. Uh, Officials call 
a block charge where they effectively have two different calls, a blarge. And your goal is to always avoid a blarge. One official calling a block, another calling a charge. If you watch that playback with 40 seconds left, there is a clear um, attempt to call a block at the top of the, uh, near the three-point line from that official, while at the same time, we have on the baseline another official calling a charge. If you talk to officials who call basketball games, they will say that their number one goal is to never call a blarge. One block, one charge simultaneously. It's the toughest call, I think, in all of basketball and maybe the toughest judgment call in all of sports officiating in general in full speed to make sure that you get the call right on whether it was a block or a charge. That is what happened at midcourt. The guy ended up not making the full block signal, but that's only because he deferred to the other official on the baseline who made an authoritative charge call. And if you watch it, that official on the baseline makes a couple of extra steps and it takes him just a beat to go ahead and get his full charge call on there. And that's because he was looking at midcourt. It was actually pretty good interaction between the officials to avoid having simultaneously opposite calls. Now, if that had happened, there probably would be less criticism over the decision that was reached because then the officials went to the monitor ostensibly to check and see whether LeBron James was inside the restricted area. While they were there, they also have the ability to review the call and make sure they got it right. And I think they did. It was a block by LeBron James Credit to LeBron for trying to draw the charge there, but it was a block. Kevin Durant hits the two free throws. Later on, 4.7 seconds to play. George Hill's fouled. The Warriors are up one after Steph has been fouled and made the basket. And in that situation, J.R. Smith did not know what in the world was happening. And instead of just admitting to what actually happened, that he forgot the score, which you could see if you watched the game. J.R. Smith told LeBron, I thought we were winning. I thought we were up one on the court. J.R. Smith, after the game, insisted that he knew what the score was and that he was making the smart play. I swear to God, this is what J.R. Smith tried to argue. Listen to this audio. Take us through that sequence with four seconds left in the game. Um... Well, George shot a free throw. Um, I got the rebound. Um, we were tie ball game. Um, we had a timeout, and I was trying to get enough space because uh, I obviously can't stand it right there. Um, trying to get enough space to bring it out to get it, maybe get a shot off. And then I see him. I looked. I looked over at Brian. He looked like he was trying to call a timeout, so I just stopped. And then uh, the game was over. You knew you were tied. You didn't think you were leading. No, I seen it. I knew it was tied. It's just I thought it was gonna call a timeout because I got the rebound. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody didn't think I was gonna shoot over Katie. That's just a totally nonsensical answer because I'm pretty sure everybody didn't think I was gonna shoot over Katie. Yeah, everybody did. There's four seconds left. You got the rebound. The goal is to get the ball up on the rim. Now George Hill obviously put J.R. Smith in this situation. I think J.R. Smith was stunned that he got the rebound at the free throw. And that was emblematic of what should be, if I was a Warriors fan or I was coaching the Warriors and I went back over this game, what I would focus on in this game 
where we could vastly improve and where we need to vastly improve. Offensive rebounds in this game. The Cleveland Cavaliers had 19. The Golden State Warriors had four. So that should have never been a situation. What should have happened is either George Hill, who's an 80% free throw shooter, should have made the free throw, in which case the Golden State Warriors would have immediately taken timeout and inbounded the ball down one at half court and the Cavs would have been playing defense. Or in that situation, the minute that J.R. Smith gets the rebound, it should never have happened. The Warriors should have boxed out, gotten the rebound, immediately called timeout, and then they would have gotten the ball at midcourt in a tie game with a chance to win it. I think what J.R. Smith did not anticipate happening was that he was going to get the rebound in that situation. And so as a result, he hadn't done what you teach every kid to do if you are a coach of young athletes. You say, think through everything before it actually happens so you know what to do, so you can play, so you don't have to stop and think. And to me, J.R. Smith making $13 million a year. And again, it's a free throw situation. Chris Webber calling a timeout was a live on-the-court situation, and he's a sophomore in college, I believe, at the time. Or maybe even a freshman. Regardless, he's 19 years old. Expecting him in 1993 to make the perfect decision when, as we've been talking on this show, there are assistant coaches on the end of the bench screaming, take, take a timeout, take a timeout is not very surprising in the grand scheme of things that you would decide to do that because Weber's decision in that point in time was actually a good one. Most of the time when you get trapped and you don't have an easy play, what you're taught to do is take a timeout. Now, they didn't have a timeout left, but that's not Chris Weber's fault necessarily in terms of the decision-making process there. His decision-making was sound. Michigan just didn't have a timeout left. Nothing about J.R. Smith's decision-making was sound. Plus, again, remember, J.R. Smith has lots of time to figure out the game situation here. It's not as if there's a running clock and nobody knows what the situation is in play in the game. Right there, J.R. Smith... George Hill gets fired, uh, gets fouled. You have substantial time to wait as you get lined up for the free throw to look up at the scoreboard and say, oh, okay, we're down one in the event you didn't know on the previous possession. George Hill sinks the free throw. You've then got a lot of time to calibrate in your mind that free throw being made to look up at the scoreboard and realize, okay, we're tied. If he makes this one, we'll be up one. It's not like George Hill was shooting three free throws. It's not like that was a confusing part of the game. And J.R. Smith just had no idea what he was doing. What I love the most about this is, can we play, was it the Cleveland Cavalier uh, end of game situation there where their announcers actually get confused because J.R. Smith made such a bad play? Was that the Warriors or the Cavs? Warriors thought the game was over too because this is how you react when somebody oftentimes does something that dumb. You sit around and think that you are the one making the mistake as opposed to the guy who's making the mistake. You're like, wait a minute, am I wrong here? That's how most people react when something so outside the bounds of expected uh, behavior happens. Here is, again, J.R. Smith. This is the Warriors, I believe, broadcast. They think the game's over. Hill, Benz, spins, shoots. It's short. 
Rebound grabbed by J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith dribbles it to the far side, throws to Hill. The game is tied at 107. We're going to overtime. We've got five more minutes. What a crazy finish. J.R. Smith thought they had the lead. He dribbled it out to midcourt. What is he doing? Well, that's J.R. Smith. Well, but that's J.R. Smith. But you were watching that live, and you were about to say the game is over until you actually looked up and realized that it was a tie game because I think J.R. Smith made everybody who's calling the game and also everybody watching it for just a moment think, oh my God, what's going on? What is he thinking? And it is such an improbable and unbelievable mental error that LeBron James got fed up having to answer a question about it. If you didn't hear the end of the game uh, comments, again, I want you to listen to this, uh, this audio To me, the credit is on the reporter here because the story is, by far, what was J.R. Smith thinking? LeBron James is on the court. It appears on the television broadcast that J.R. Smith tells him that he thought they were winning. And clearly, LeBron, there's all these still photographs that are fantastic of LeBron pointing towards the basket with an incredulous look on his face. Like, what in the world are you doing how does this happen, Jr. Jr. Smith is 31 years old. He makes $13 million a year. This ain't his first rodeo. It's inexcusable. Well, in his defense, LeBron James did not want to throw his teammate under the bus, even though, to be fair, Jr. Smith deserved it. And listen to how much he got aggressively questioned. And then LeBron James storms out of the press conference. From listening to everybody's reaction to the play at the end with Jr. getting the rebound, there's still confusion about whether Jr. thought the game was tied or the way, or whether he thought you guys were ahead. From where you stood on the court and from talking to him after the play, what what's your reaction to it? What's your version? What do you mean, what's my version? Well, did he think that the game was tied or did he think that you guys had it salted away? How do I know that? Or did you discuss it at all with him at the end of the play? No. They asked me if I talked to Jr. about it. I said no already. I knew it was a tie game. We, met, we, we was down one. Um, George Hill went up. He made the first one. We got the offensive rebound. I thought we were all aware of what was going on. That's my view. So I don't know what Jr. was thinking. I don't know the question that you're trying to ask. I was just trying to see if you you knew exactly what his state of mind was. Did he think that you guys had it won, or did he think he was trying to make a play? Not no. sure. Okay. What do you mean? I'm not sure. No, I don't know his state of mind. Did you know if he knew the score? Thank you. That is LeBron James reacting to the question. You guys tell me also, and I watch the video. First of all, LeBron is wearing a suit uh, with shorts, which is a Bermuda (laughs) look. I mean, it's pretty funny in and of itself. Um, Secondly, LeBron then had to come back, like after his drop the mic angry moment, and he had like a European man purse there that he had to go back and pick up. Eddie Eddie retweeted this, Eddie on Fox on Twitter. It's a great video. You got to watch it. So LeBron is rocking sunglasses at night, a man purse, and he's wearing the suit top and blazer shorts, which is like the Christopher Robbins look. Yes. He, He walks out on the media there at the end, as you just heard. But he has to go back because he forgot his man purse. And then he kind of like lifts his head up and trots out in a dainty way. It's it's uh, interesting. Um, LeBron James, phenomenal game. Maybe the best of his career given the circumstances. 
And all we're going to be talking about is what a knucklehead J.R. Smith is all day long. And I think J.R. Smith has compounded the story cycle by not just admitting that he blew it. Instead, trying to argue that he was making the smart play because he was afraid Kevin Durant was going to block his shot. I mean, it just makes no sense at all in the grand scheme of things. Uh, It's just completely illogical. And so now all of his pl- all of his teammates are going to get asked about it. Ty Lue, I think, already in his press conference. Do we have Ty Lue? Ty Lue said that he believed that JR didn't know the score. So um, Ty Lue has said something different. I mean, the unpacking on this end-of-game situation is going to continue for a long time. I think the referees are actually in a better shape because the block charge uh, call at the end of regulation with 40 seconds left kind of pales in comparison to J.R. Smith. And then also the near brawl at the end after the Tristan Thompson ejection, there was so much happening that there's a lot of different subjects to get into. We're going to talk about that with Brandon Wright, NBA player. What's that like on the court? What did he think as he was watching it? Uh, he's played for both the Warriors and the Rockets, NBA veteran. Has he ever seen anything like this? What should happen uh, to J.R. Smith. How should he address his teammates? We'll talk about all that and more. Brandon Wright, NBA veteran, up next. I'm Clay Travis, and I want to tell you also right now, are you hiring, posting your position to job sites and waiting, waiting for the right people to see it? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, the list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We're bringing in Brandon right now. Uh, NBA veteran. He's been on the court for a lot of game situations over the years. Have you ever seen something like this, Brandon, regular season, postseason, at any point in time where tie game, somebody's trying to win, shooting a free throw, they miss, rebound happens, goes to the offensive team, the one that's shooting, it's a rarity, and then the clock just gets run out like this without getting a shot up because I think your teammate doesn't know what the score is. Yeah, he... um he definitely didn't know what the score was, and I don't know if you guys seen the when he was talking to LeBron. He was saying, "I thought we were up one." <laughs> yeah. So um, you know that's that's a tough situation. I haven't been a part of something like that, but you know, game one NBA Finals where you know they only predicted to win a game or so. You know they got to find a way to steal that one. And I mean, I thought that was their best, their best chance to win a game. To be honest. So what what in the locker room is that like after a game? Have you? I mean, if you were a teammate, how angry would you be at J.R. Smith? You know, it depends on the locker room, and I'm going to say that that locker room is probably pretty tight overall. You know, LeBron to keep those guys in order, they have pretty 
pretty solid leadership over there. You know, they won't get uh, you know they won't get upset about the situation at the time. They were probably pretty pretty down, but you know they're gonna move on again too and get ready for that. But you know, it's a veteran team, and um, you know, and to be honest, I was talking to someone last night. I don't think it would affect will affect Jr. at all because that's it's just his personality that just keeps shooting, keep doing what he does, and you know, whatever happens, happens. Would, is it should J.R. Smith have just admitted to it? I don't. Have you heard his his? Uh, let's play for people out there who are just waking up because I want. I think this is the number one story coming out of the game. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard it, but I think there's probably a lot of people waking up who have not. J.R. Smith did, said that he knew what the situation in the game was. He didn't accept the blame uh, in the way that I think probably he should have, given the fact that you just said we could see him say on the court that he thought they were up one. Here's J.R. Smith after the game. Take us through that sequence with four seconds left in the game. Um, well, George shot a free throw. Um, I got the rebound. Um, we were tie ball game. Um, we had a timeout, and I was trying to get enough space because uh, I obviously can't just standing right there. Um, trying to get enough space to bring it out to get it, maybe get a shot off. And then I see him. I looked. I looked over at Brian. He looked like he was trying to call timeout, so I just stopped. And then uh, the game was over. You knew you were tied. You didn't think you were leaving. No, I seen it. I knew we were tied. It's just I thought we was gonna call timeout because I got the rebound. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody didn't think I was gonna shoot over Katie. So that's J.R. Smith trying to explain himself. Brandon Wright, NBA veteran, with us now. Should he have just admitted that he lost, you know, like had a, a brain freeze and made the wrong decision there, or should he have lied? <laughs> Nah, he should have just admitted it. What you know, what he what he did. I mean, he, you know, the evidence is on. It's on camera. I mean, you can read his lips. And he said, "I thought we were up one." Um, you know, if he what he did is when you get the ball, you think you're up one. You run. You know, you try to run out the clock, and that's exactly what he did. So I don't know why he said that. I, I think he just added gas to the fire, and you know, it's going to be a huge microscope on him for the rest of the series, and you know, moving forward in his Cleveland career. Talking to Brandon Wright. Okay, let's go to the block charge call. Did they get it right, in your opinion, having watched the replay? I mean, I thought they got it right. Um, the biggest thing the officials always tell us is you have to take it in the chest. And you see at the end that, you know, he was pretty much in position. But when you start to turn that shoulder, they they don't like that for some reason. So, you know, I, I don't like the rule that you can go change a foul, a block charge at the end of the game. I don't like that. You know, I feel like officials should make the call right then and there, but I think they got the call right. Have you ever been in a game where they went to the monitor like that and changed the outcome of a block charge and not because a guy was in the restricted area, but just because they had the wrong call? Oh, plenty of times. Um, you know, I've been on I've been on the side where they called the where they called the uh, you know, the, the office of foul plenty of times and they go to the monitor and they end up changing because a guy's moving too much or they feel like the guy's shoulder was in him or maybe his feet were all the way on the ground. They they usually, when they go to the monitor and look at those things, they usually end up reversing the calls. Yeah, so I think for a lot of people out there who may not watch the NBA on a regular basis, they felt like that was a, a, a rare play. And I think on television, they made it seem that way a little bit. But then in reading and researching it before the show – that rule was changed to allow them to do that all the way back in the 2012-13 season. So you're saying over the course of your time in the NBA, 
that's not a crazy outcome that that happens, uh, you know, not all the time, but it's not unheard of. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I was talking to my wife last night, and I said, I guarantee they changed that call as soon as it happened. And then, you know, two, three minutes later, they end up changing it. It's just one of those things where they make a call, they come together, they say, yeah, did you get that? I got this. All right, let's go look at the monitor. You know, it gives them opportunity to bail themselves out when they feel like they didn't make a call that was you know, 100% correct. All right, we're talking to Brandon Wright, NBA veteran. The end of the game, a couple of seconds left. Tristan Thompson, they call him for throwing an elbow, kick him out of the game. Right call, wrong call? Probably the right call. Um, you know, I, I don't know why Tristan even contested that jump shot. I mean, I, I would just, you know, we say we lost a tough game. You know, we probably were a better team, you know, throughout until we, you know, did some bonehead things at the end. And, you know, there's no, no reason for him to, you know, contest the shot with his elbow and they kind of closed that a little bit too close to him and then, you know, slapping the ball in Draymond's face, you know, he's probably going to lose some money for that, you know. They're probably even discussing maybe so he'd be suspended because he was kicked out of the game and, and didn't leave the court quick enough. When you see that end-of-game situation, should uh, it, there's always these unwritten rules in basketball, football, you know, baseball for people, hockey, who play the game. Is it normal there to take the shot like uh, was happening there on the foul call? Was Tristan Thompson angry that there was even a shot being taken there? Uh, and or is that something that is expected at the end of the game situation? Is it disrespectful, in other words, when you've already won the game to avoid a shot clock uh, violation by getting a shot up, or is that expected? Well, that's how I look at it. You know, he Sean was taking a jump shot. So I don't care about that. I mean, he wasn't going in trying to get a layup or trying to get a dunk or trying to just pad his back. You know, he just took two dribbles and pulled up for a jump shot trying to avoid a shot clock violation. I have no problem with that. You know, if he goes in, he's trying to dunk, he's trying to lay it up. Then you got a bigger problem. You know, you're trying to run the score. You're trying to pad his back. You know, he's being disrespectful. But, you know, I thought I thought Tristan probably took it, took it a little bit too far and didn't need to do what he did. But, um, you know, I, I don't expect that to play any any role in this series, you know, moving that line. So you don't think there's any way they suspend Tristan Thompson for the way things went down at the very end of that game? The only thing I can see the league coming back and saying is, you know, Tristan, you were kicked out flagrant two. You know, you escalated the situation by not leaving the court quick enough. You know, you shouldn't have pushed the ball in Draymond's face. You know, since you didn't get off the court quick enough, you know, and you did what you did, we're going we're gonna to suspend your game. I can see that happening. You know, at the, at the very most, I think he'll probably get a, a happy final. We're talking to Brandon Wright, NBA veteran, uh, who's played on both the Warriors and the Rockets during his career. When you think about this from the NBA perspective, who do you think the average NBA team players and everybody collectively are rooting for here? Are they rooting for the Cavs and LeBron James, or are they rooting for the Warriors to win the title? You know, it's crazy. I, I think most players, I actually just rooting for LeBron James as, as the player and not his actual team. Um, you know, and, and as players, you know, we know they, they have, you know, it's a pretty solid roster. And for whatever reason, you know, it just doesn't mesh well on paper. You know, they don't play well on the court together. You know, last night they, they looked pretty good. Kevin Love had a great game. You know, they made a lot of mid-season acquisitions to make that team better. But, you know, they just haven't come together like we thought they would. But, you know, they, you know, Regular fans, are, of course, are tired of seeing you know the Warriors win. They want to see LeBron play play well and do well. I mean, 
gave it everything he had last night, you know, 50-plus points, and they, you know, they lose by 10 in overtime. I mean, you can't expect him to have another game like that in this series. We're talking to Brandon Wright. When you saw Kevin Love's haircut, did you think maybe his barber was also in concussion protocol? <laughs> I looked at his haircut, and I, you know, I, I've, I've, you know, I played with him, played against him since before, you know, before NBA high school. You know, when we were young, I've never seen his haircut like that. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the deal was. I don't, I don't know what happened. Maybe he was trying something new. Maybe it's, you know, it's, it's spring summertime, so he needs a, you know, he needs a little, little more air out there. But I, I don't know what was going on. It was, it was actually, uh, it was actually pretty funny. When so the in, impact of this game, you said yourself, LeBron plays basically a, an incredible game, goes over fifty points. They're in position to win it. They are up two. They get the block charge situation. They're uh, down one. They get fouled, make a free throw. I mean, they had a lot of chances the Cavs did to win this game before it went to overtime. What do you think happens going forward now? Is there going to be an impact, a hangover at all from this game? Does it impact game two? Does it impact game three? What do you think is going to happen as the series progresses? I mean, I, I just think the Warriors are going to be too much. Uh, like I said, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember what Kevin Love's official number. I think he had over twenty some points and a, a lot of rebounds. I mean, does he play like that again? You know, does LeBron give you fifty plus again? You know, um, I thought they you know had a chance to steal this game in Game One, which was probably the best time for them to get one. But now I think they're in trouble. You know, it's just going to be tough to to win in Golden State. I mean, I, I think they will get one in Cleveland, but I think it'll be a split. But um, I mean, the biggest thing I've seen was I think LeBron. You know, he was kind of playing like, you know, I got I think I need to do this on my own. I, he played a little uncharacteristic to me. He was dribbling the ball a whole lot, you know, doing a lot of isolation stuff. Um, you know, maybe they watched the Houston tape a lot, but that's that's not the player he is really. Um, you know, he's been trying to trust his teammates a lot. I think he needs to continue to go that route until they get to like the third or fourth quarter. What uh, what do you think about the, um, the 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 kind of the overall rebounding situation in this game? The to me, if I'm a Warriors and I'm looking at these numbers, the Warriors got out rebounded on the offensive glass, nineteen to four, and down the stretch, certainly, I think the Warriors were up four, and they had a chance like three times to get a rebound, and then Kevin Love hits a top of the three, uh, top of the top of the key three to make it a one point game. The Warriors had a chance to put this a game away, even as good as LeBron was, if they had just been able to rebound, not to mention they can't even get the rebound off a free throw. How do you get out rebounded by fifteen on the offensive glass? Uh, pretty easy. I mean, Golden State's playing small a lot. And um they don't you know, they're they're athletic, they're good defense, you know, they good have good sound principles, but they're not like a heavy team either, you know. Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson and you know, Jeff Green and LeBron and those now, those guys are pretty good rebounders. You know, they can they can push push the Warriors guys under their basket. So, you know, if the Warriors continue to play small, I think the Cavaliers have to continue to, you know, uh, use guys like Tristan and Larry Nash to to get those boards. And that was a formula when they beat them a couple of years ago in, in the in the finals. You know, they killed them on the glass, and I think they should continue to exploit that. How much does Andre Iguodala matter for the Warriors and being out? Oh, he matters. A, a big time amount. Uh, people don't understand. You know, they they might look at his stats. Oh, he's a seven point, four rebound, four assist guy game. You know, whatever. But um, you know, he keeps them together on defense. He's a uh, primary ball handler. You know, he allows Steph and Sean Livingston to, 
you know, come off those screens and Sean Livingston can shoot his mid-range and Steph can come out and shoot the three and be a little bit more free. You know, um, without him, those guys have to be on the ball a lot more because they don't have any more ball handlers. So uh, his loss is huge. And honestly, you know, he can have four on LeBron. You know, KD was on LeBron Clippers the whole night. And you can tell that it, it wavered with his energy. So he can't put in everything he needs to put in on the offensive end. What uh, what was I not smart enough to ask you about this game now that it's complete and we basically are moving on to game two? Did anything surprise you from this series? What else as a basketball player and a guy who's been a veteran in the NBA stood out to you about game one? I mean, the biggest thing is, is Golden State, they, just, they seem a little bored out there, to be honest. I mean, game one, NBA finals, going for your third championship in four years. They have gotten in the mode where you know, it's in neutral, and they just crank it up whenever they need to. And I mean, they've done it pretty much the entire playoffs. You know, they gave a game away in the round round one against San Antonio. They gave a game away against New Orleans. They messed around against Houston and, and pretty much almost lost the series. And, you know, last night they, you know, the Cavs had an opportunity to steal that game. And, you know, they did turn it up and make, it, make a lot of plays, and they went crazy in overtime. But, you know, the, to move them forward is, you know, look at the complacency and, you know, how it goes state how interested they are in, 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 in you know, crushing Cleveland you know, instead of playing around the whole game. Last question for you. We're talking to Brandon Wright at BWright34 on Twitter. He's an NBA veteran, played for both the Rockets and the Warriors in his career. Which was the dumber play? Chris Webber's timeout, which I'm sure you've seen on YouTube or on highlights over the years, uh, with uh, up two against North Carolina in the national title game, or J.R. Smith's rebound and running out of the clock. Which of those was the dumber basketball play? Uh, I got to go with the J.R. thing because the Chris Webber thing was it was so frantic out there. I can see how he lost, maybe lost thought, and you know forgot he didn't have any timeouts or whatever. But the J.R. thing, you know, you make a free throw, you know you tie. You were down one, you make the first free throw, you know you tie the game up. All right, we get this off as a rebound, get the call timeout, you got to go back up with it. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it was just – what happened right there was everything was just too close for him to just lose thought. I mean, I, I guess he just went brain dead. I mean, you know, hopefully he comes out next game and makes 10 threes and everybody forget about what happened. But it, that was a tough play. I, as a teammate, you know, you, you'd be wondering what, what he was thinking. Outstanding stuff. Appreciate you getting up early with us, Brandon Wright. Enjoy game two on Sunday night, and we'll probably talk to you next week. All right, man. Sounds good. Appreciate you having me. That's Brandon Wright at BWright34. You can go find him on Twitter. Thank him for coming on early with us, breaking down this situation. Let me bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports, and then we'll head into the final segment of the show. Maybe I'll open up the phone lines for the first time as well and let you guys react to game one, 877-996-6369. What you got for me, Eddie? Well, let's give you some details on game one of the NBA Finals where the Warriors beat the Cavaliers 124-114 in overtime. Steph Curry, 29 points. Kevin Durant, 26 points. Klay Thompson, 24 points for the Warriors in the win. For Cleveland, LeBron James had 51 points. He became the first player ever to score 50 or more in a finals game and have his team lose as the Warriors grab the 1-0 series lead. And it's the play everyone is talking about. It's also our Geico play of the day. It's up. It's short. It's grabbed by J.R. Smith. Smith is going to run it out. I think J.R. didn't know how much time was left. J.R. tried to dribble up near the timeline. And we're going to overtime. WTAM Cavaliers Radio Network on the call as J.R. Smith gets a rebound off a missed free throw. Didn't know that his team was tied and dribbled out the clock. 
and uh, afterwards uh, didn't really take responsibility for it. Again, Golden State with the 1-0 series advantage. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. We'll close out Hour 2 with your calls. 877-996-6369. Your reaction, Game 1. Load them up. We'll take some of those as we come back. Final segment of Hour 2. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago we go to a couple of your calls we're reacting obviously to an epic conclusion of nba finals game one jr smith falls apart the review of the block charge the near uh brawl breaking out at the end after tristan thompson gets ejected uh, all of that happened late last night many of you a little bit bleary-eyed this morning as you wake up uh, having stayed up late for that game, maybe some of you waking up who fell asleep before the game was over. So uh, appreciate you guys joining us, spending your Friday morning with us across the country. Let's go to AJ in Ohio. What you got for me, AJ? Hey, Clay. How's it going? Um, I just think that JR's blunder is kind of the epitome of who he is. I mean, he's a guy who just seems to not really pay attention when he's out there. He just wants to try to throw it up and shoot threes like Steph Curry and, uh, I think he just came back to bite the Cavs, and I think he's got to find a way to win the game for him in this series, but I don't think he can. Thanks. Yeah, I I said before the series I thought it would be a five-game series, and in the wake of game one, I still feel like it's going to probably be a five-game series, but I think the difference maker here is it could have been a really interesting play, again, if they had found a way to get this win. If the Cavs had found a way to win this game – then suddenly, as you move into Game 2, there's a little bit of pressure on the uh, on the Golden State Warriors. Now, maybe they come back and they win regardless, and it just doesn't matter because they're that much better. But to me, that is a, uh, that's a hell of a story if they win Game 1, particularly given how well LeBron James played. Instead, we're all sitting around talking about the impact of J.R. Smith's awful decision. And here are the adjusted odds now, by the way, to win the NBA Finals, you want to know how much this game mattered. The Warriors are now minus nineteen hundred to win this series. The Cavs are twelve to one at minus nineteen hundred. That's like a ninety-five plus percent chance, basically, that the Golden State Warriors are going to win this series. Obviously, with six games remaining, you would need for the uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers to win four of those six, and I think that's just a tall order particularly because Golden State tends to blow teams out a couple of times when they really kind of have everything hit on all cylinders. Let's go to David in Buffalo. Hey, what's up, Clay? How you doing? Always Uh, doing well, my man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you got it, man. I just wanted to weigh in on this. You know, to me, it reminds me, the Warriors remind me a lot of New England uh, in the NFL. To me, it's not that they're so much better than other teams. It's just that when they get a break, they take advantage of it, and that was what overtime was for them last night. And that uh, foul uh, that got reversed uh, at the end of regulation. So, to me, that's what separates these organizations because you know the good team, the good teams, and the great teams. There's not a huge line anymore like there used to be, but it's little things like that. When they have an opportunity, they pounce on it. We see Brady do it for years in the NFL, and that's what Curry and Durant and then, uh, this team did last night in overtime. So, great show, man, and uh, have a good day. 
Appreciate it. You know, the one thing we haven't talked about, I think, in the first two hours is how much it seemed like things may swing. We talked about the J.R. Smith play at the end of the game. How about J.R. Smith almost wiping out Clay Thompson? His knee and leg looked awful on that play. For him to come back in and show zero issues associated with that, when I watched that replay, I thought, okay, he's out for the season. I mean, out for the rest of the year and out for this entire series. And then next thing you know, Clay Thompson comes back out and starts draining a couple of threes, doesn't seem to have any uh, any worse for wear aspect to his game. That was, I thought, a pretty significant aspect of this series because I've said for a long time, the only way I see the Cavs winning the series is if we get a major injury. I thought for sure, I bet you did too when you were watching uh, Jason Martin, that Clay Thompson was going to be out for the series when that happened. If not the series, then a good bit of it. I mean... There were a lot of people that know a lot more about that than me that were saying it looks like an MCL. Knees don't bend that way without you know ligament damage and things like that. It did. It looked terrible. It was a tough night for JR all the way around. I mean, he was getting booed resoundingly as if he meant to do that, which obviously he didn't. It was just an unfortunate play. I was so happy to see Clay able to even run there when they showed him back down there in the tunnel. The fact that he was on his feet and looked like he was okay, and then, of course, he comes back in and buries a couple of threes. And I don't think enough is talked about in terms of just what kind of great shape Clay Thompson's in because he's always the defensive guy on that team that's guarding the best shooter. Almost always. He's the guy that's on the perimeter that's having to do all the switches on the three-point line, and for him to still be able to do that boggled my mind. I couldn't believe he got back into the game at all. I, I would have been... Not surprised if we didn't see him until game four or even game five, but you know, lucky for the Warriors there because that looked like it could potentially have been catastrophic. I still think the Andre Iguodala injury is a little bit strange. I know they say that he's got a bone bruise, but to have missed as many games as he has, I just think at this point you have to assume that he's not going to be back for any of the NBA Finals. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but at this point, with the, I know they have a bunch of days off again, and I do think that'll help LeBron, who's obviously putting forth a tremendous amount of energy uh, in these games. He plays on Thursday. Now they don't play again until Sunday. I think the way the schedule is set up, and it's probably not going to go anywhere near this long, but if it went seven games, it takes almost three weeks to play this series. So there are extra days built in throughout this series. Um, We'll see exactly what happens. But the one positive for Clay Thompson, if he had any lasting effects, you would think for Andre Iguodala as he continues to rehab and try to get back on the court, is that there are a lot of games between these games, so we don't have game two of this series until Sunday night when I imagine many of you will be watching it. All right, if you are waking up across the country, and many of you are, we will play you all the audio, we'll play you all the clips of the post game, which I imagine many of you, even if you stayed up for the game last night, which ended very late, you may not well have gotten what was said after the game. J.R. Smith's uh, explanation, which is ludicrous for what he was thinking, Uh, We'll take you inside that LeBron James press conference. We'll even play you the Cleveland Cavalier and Golden State Warrior calls of the end-of-game situation there with J.R. Smith. It's all pretty fantastic. Trust me on that. And uh, we will continue to unpack what was a classic Game 1. Poll question is up on Twitter. You can find me there at Clay Travis. Make sure that uh, that you uh, search me out there. You can vote on what you think was the dumber play in a classic basketball game. Chris Webber calling a timeout. Or J.R. Smith forgetting the score was tied and letting the clock run out. We'll continue to discuss. I'm Clay Travis. I'll keep the coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Game one NBA finals for all of you just waking up across the country. You might have stayed up late. You might have slept in a little bit because it was a late night. We had so much happen down the stretch that I feel like the storyline of what was going to be our primary discussion point kept shifting from one moment to the next. With 40 seconds left, LeBron James has grabbed control of this game, just scored and got an and one free throw. Kevin Durant is driving towards the basket and we have a huge controversy, a block charge, what's going to be called. And I think if you go back and you watch this clip, what's key is, You had two officials effectively make two different calls at the exact moment in that game when everything was on the line and they were trying to avoid calling a blarge. That is where one calls a block and the other one calls a charge. If you go back and watch that play in slow-mo, the first official that you can see on the television screen is poised to call a block. That's the one LeBron James is facing and he's reacting in indignation And he's upset that the block call is coming. But the official doesn't quite make it. And the one on the baseline calls the charge. They then go to the monitor to review it. This is allowed under NBA rules. In hour two, Brandon Wright told us he's seen it happen all the time. Not just to check and see whether or not somebody's in the restricted area. But to also see whether or not it was a block or a charge. I believe the officials got it right. Kevin Durant steps the line, makes two free throws. LeBron gets another layup-ish shot, goes up two. Steph comes back the other direction, gets a layup, and is fouled, makes the free throw. We come back for the other possession, and we have, at that point in time, a foul call. George Hill goes to the line, makes the first, ties up the game. Just about everybody out there recognized what had happened except for J.R. Smith. The second shot is missed. The biggest storyline on a negative way, I would say, for the Golden State Warriors for all of Game 1 is they were out-rebounded on the offensive glass 19-4. to That rebound coming off of the missed free throw grabbed by J.R. Smith, who has no clue what is going on in the situation of the game, dribbles it out to the top of the key. LeBron James yells at him, Hey, knucklehead, it's a tie game. J.R. Smith turns, fires to the corner. It's too late. They don't get a shot up. And in overtime, the Warriors run away with it. It's not very competitive for the final several minutes of this game. Let's go and hit all of the different audio from this game. I'm told, by the way, that we have an incredible call from uh, game one from ESPN. But first, let's play the end of the game situation from the Cavs and from the Warriors last night. Hill bends, spins, shoots. It's short. Rebound grabbed by J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith dribbles it to the far side, throws to Hill. The game is tied at 107. We're going to overtime. We've got five more minutes. What a crazy finish. J.R. Smith thought they had the lead. He dribbled it out to midcourt. What is he doing? Well, that's J.R. Smith. Four seconds still remain. The Warriors do have a timeout. George Hill again takes the basketball. Three deliberate dribbles. A 10-year veteran with a moderate knee bend. It's up. It's short. It's grabbed by J.R. Smith. Smith 
He's going to run it out. I think JR didn't know how much time was left. JR could have dribbled up near the timeline, and we're going to overtime. Oh my goodness, I think JR thought the Cavs had the lead. He grabbed the loose ball, dribbled up near midcourt, and by the time he decided to pass it to somebody, the clock had expired. We're going to overtime. All right, that was the Cleveland Cavalier and the Golden State Warrior calls of the end of the game, boneheaded play by J.R. Smith. You could hear there was uncertainty in their voice. They weren't exactly sure what they were doing. Mark Kestisher was on ESPN radio, and things went a lot worse for him. He J.R.'d the ending of his call of this game. Let's listen to this. I haven't even heard it yet. The guys are telling me it's pretty phenomenal. Hill dips, free throw up, free throw's going to be short, rebounded by Smith, two seconds to go, he dribbles out, they got a foul, they can't get him, the Cavaliers on the road, stunning the Golden State Warriors in game one, tied at 107, my bad. (laughs) Wow. Oh, that's ESPN. ESPNing there. Oh my God, let's hear that one more time. This is like the worst situation you can ever be in as a play-by-play guy he this may be worse than J.R. Smith because the play-by-play guy you can't make this mistake even if J.R. Smith is making a boneheaded play let's go back to this again just when we thought J.R. Smith might have had the worst play of the game this Mark Kestisher who's calling the game for ESPN I mean there are a lot of people listening to this right I mean this is uh this is the national broadcast for the NBA game on ESPN Radio. Mark Kestisher is his name. This is how he called the end of the game. Hill dips, free throw up. Free throw's going to be short. Rebounded by Smith. Two seconds to go. He dribbles out. They got a foul. They can't get him. The Cavaliers on the road. Stunning the Golden State Warriors in game one. Tied at 107. My bad. My bad. (laughs) My bad. Wow. My bad. That entire call I just made, that was wrong. That is, man, that's the radio announcing equivalent of what J.R. Smith did. Now, great find there by Vito, who just brought that in. Let me say this. I believe that what happens oftentimes when somebody makes a really bad decision is that other people follow the bad decision because they're afraid that they're the ones who are wrong and they don't have the confidence to correct it. For instance, this happens pretty regularly in college football. Somebody will get the turnover. And they will start to run the wrong way. And they will develop an entire coterie of people who are blocking for them as they run to their own end zone. And the players on the opposing team will try to tackle the guy when in reality they want him to run into the end zone because they get a safety. Because when you see everybody else reacting in that way, you think for a minute, maybe I've got it wrong. When somebody is behaving in such an aberrant fashion like J.R. Smith... Now, J.R. Smith on the court, you could see him saying, hey, I thought we were up one. But after the game, J.R. Smith did not admit to screwing up. Instead, he tried to claim, oh, you know what? I meant to do everything that I did. Take us through that sequence with four seconds left in the game. Um, well, George shot a free throw. Um, I got the rebound. Um we were tie ball game. Um, we had a timeout, and I was trying to get enough space because uh, I obviously can't just stand right there. Um, trying to get enough space to bring it out to get it, maybe get a shot off. And then I see him. I looked. I looked over at Brian. He looked like he was trying to call a timeout, so I just stopped. And then uh, 
the game was over. You knew you were tied. You didn't think you were leading. No, I seen it. I knew we were tied. It just I thought we was gonna call a timeout because I got the rebound. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody didn't think I was gonna shoot over Katie. That was an entirely illogical and nonsensical explanation because, in general, if you get the rebound there with four seconds left, J.R. Smith was actually in a great spot to score. And it's not like Kevin Durant is Dikembe Mutombo. Yes, he might block it, but so be it. You want to get a shot up on the rim. I think there's no possibility that J.R. Smith knew the actual score. We know on the court that he didn't. Uh, Everybody, once he lies has to go out and tell their own version of the lie or avoid having to answer the question in order to avoid throwing him under the bus. That's what happened to LeBron James, who was pressed on it. And I think this was a fair question. I think it was fair follow-ups. And I also understand LeBron James not wanting to say, yeah, J.R. Smith's an idiot. I can't believe how dumb he was in this situation. So instead, he tries to avoid it. Listen to the audio of LeBron after this game. From listening to everybody's reaction to the play at the end with JR getting the rebound, there's still confusion about whether JR thought the game was tied or the way, or whether he thought you guys were ahead. From where you stood on the court and from talking to him after the play, what what's your reaction to it? What's your version? What do you mean? What's my version? Well, did he think that the game was tied, or did he think that you guys had it salted away? How do I know that? Or did you discuss it at all with him at the end of the play? No, they asked me if I talked to Jr. about it. I said no already. I knew it was a tie game. We met, we, we was down one. Um, George Hill went up. He made the first one. We got the offensive rebound. I thought we were all aware of what was going on. That's my view. So I don't know what Jr. was thinking. I don't know the question that you're trying to ask. I was just trying to see if you you knew exactly what his state of mind was. Did he think that you guys had it won, or did he think he was trying to make a play? No. Not sure. Okay. I mean, I'm not sure. No, I don't know his state of mind. Did you know if he knew the score? Thank you. That's LeBron being upset about being pressed on this. There's video out there. If you were watching the game, it was clear J.R. Smith had no idea what was actually going on. He told LeBron James on the court, I thought we were ahead after the game. He's now lying to try to avoid getting more criticism, which I think ironically is going to lead to more criticism. Because if J.R. Smith had just come out and said, you know what, I blew it. Kids, take note of this when you're playing games. I had a mental lapse. I should have been aware of the situation better. I was thinking about playing defense as opposed to Uh, anything else in this scenario when I got the ball I thought we were up one point and I tried to run it out and as a result uh, this is entirely on me I apologize to my teammates I've got to be better than that and uh, I apologize to everyone for the mistake that I made everybody I think at that point in time would feel maybe a little bit empathetic because in in general nature when people accept the fact that they made mistakes all of us are imperfect And so I think our natural inclination, by and large, is to forgive in this country overall. Instead, J.R. Smith lies, which means that LeBron James has to lie, which means that everybody responding in the next couple of days to this continuing question will also have to lie. J.R. Smith, to me, has to step up and accept the blame here. and, And there's no other way to explain this. Now, If you are thinking about how this plays out going forward in games two, three, and four, which we are only assured of, 
I think it probably submarines the Cavs' chances of really being able to win this series. If they had gone on the road in one game one, I think the storyline today would be entirely different. We'd be focused on how superb LeBron James' game uh, game performance was. We'd be asking the question, did we underrate LeBron James and the Cavs given the fact that they have two years ago managed to beat the Golden State Warriors. We'd be talking about the curiously absent case of Kevin Durant. Why did he not show up and play better? We'd be talking about what is going on with the Warriors that they didn't weren't able to get offensive rebounds. They got out-rebounded on the offensive glass 19-4. to We'd be talking about the inability of Kevin Durant to box out on that free throw. There are so many different angles that we would be attacking But once this game got to overtime, the Warriors took control of it, and I expect them to win game two, maybe also game three and four. I said it was going to be five before the series started. I'll stick with five. But if they win the second game, and I know LeBron came back against Boston, but I think effectively this series is probably over. Um, So all of that is is going on. We've got um, uh, some incredible animal animal Thunderdome news that I'm going to have some fun with at the end of this show that we will have to address. But let's go to break here and play one more time the ESPN audio of this game uh, with, um, what's his name, Mark Kestisher on the call. J.R. Smith made an error. This may be just as bad of an error if you put it in the context of the radio announcer's job. Here is the ESPN official call of the end of this game. Hill dips, free throw up, free throw's going to be short, rebounded by Smith, two seconds to go, he dribbles out, they got a foul, they can't get him, the Cavaliers on the road, stunning the Golden State Warriors in game one. Tied at 107, my bad. By the way, the more I think about the J.R. Smith situation, Think about the fact that there are probably 20 million people, roughly, on pins and needles across this country watching that George Hill free throw, completely aware that it's the difference between taking the lead or complete. Like, if if you believe J.R. Smith here, J.R. Smith's brain, he's like, well, this one really doesn't matter that much. They're probably going to shoot a three anyway. Think about 20 million people were watching this game. 99% of them, at least, if not 99.9% of them, have no skin in the game. They aren't getting paid $13 million a year. It really doesn't matter whether they know what the score of the game is or not. And yet, all of them were able to keep track of the score and were sitting on pins and needles as George Hill was dribbling the ball about to attempt his second free throw because they knew it was the difference between a game staying tied and the Cleveland Cavaliers taking the lead. J.R. Smith, his mind is completely blank, I guess. He has no idea what's actually at stake. It's pretty amazing to think about the dichotomy between what he was feeling and what just about everybody else who was watching the game was feeling. Unbelievable. Pro customers at Lowe's save 5% on every purchase every day uh, when you use your Lowe's business credit account. That's 5% on all purchases in-store or online, subject to credit approval, U.S. only as well. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want 
So you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. When I saw this happen, I immediately flashed back to Chris Weber. I'm old enough. A lot of you out there listening to me right now are not old enough to remember this. But in 1993, Chris Weber took a timeout uh, when he did not have any timeouts left in the national title game against North Carolina. And I've got a poll question up right now for all of you. And 11,000 of you have voted so far. Which was the dumber play in a classic basketball game? The Chris Webber timeout or J.R. Smith forgetting the score was tied and letting the clock run out? J.R. Smith letting the clock run out is winning with 71% of the vote. Chris Webber timeout play getting 29% of the vote. I think that's right for several reasons. One, Webber was a college student. Two, there were people on the basketball uh, team and or coaches yelling for him to take a timeout when he got trapped. Three, Weber's decision happened in the course of the game as opposed to taking place uh, you know, while you were at the free throw line. And all of those factors, I think, combined with the J.R. Smith situation conspire to make it very clear to me that J.R. Smith made the dumbest play here that there is no way to defend what J.R. Smith was thinking or doing. Are you guys all in agreement with me, Jason Martin? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there – I don't need to go into too much detail there. I agree with the poll as well. I think this was dumber, actually by far, not just because of the age and experience of the two people involved, but because Chris Webber was making the right basketball play. He just got lost in the situation. J.R. Smith, I don't know why you would not just go back up with it either way in that situation, not to mention the idea that nobody was trying to foul him with four seconds left in a game that he had to know was at least a one-possession game didn't make any sense to me either. This can is you imagine, as dumb as it gets. Can you imagine if one of the Warriors had fouled him because they pulled a Mark Kestisher? Can we play that audio for you one more time? This is the guy calling the play-by-play of the game. Is this? Let me, before we play this, is this as bad for Mark Kestisher's job as J.R. Smith's was for his Wait, when you are calling a game, the only thing you can't get wrong is the end of the game. There are ton million, I don't know how many people are listening to ESPN's audio broadcast of the game, but this to me for a play-by-play perspective is just as bad as what J.R. Smith did. Are you guys in agreement with me there? Yeah, it's it's bad. Like the only thing that could have been worse is if he had had his voice crack like Sean McDonald. <laughs> uh, let's listen to this one more time, and then I'll bring in the crew in LA. This is ESPN's call of the final uh, free throw from George Hill in the game last night. Regulation running down. There's four seconds left. What happens? Hill dips, free throw up, free throw's going to be short, rebounded by Smith, two seconds to go, he dribbles out, they got a foul, they can't get him, the Cavaliers on the road, stunning the Golden State Warriors in game one, tied at 107, my bad. (laughs) My bad, my bad, my bad, Uh, credit to Vito uh, for finding that audio, Uh, I'm trying to think right now, what would be the equivalent of what other jobs could do, I thought this also when it happened. That's as bad as what J.R. Smith did. When because, we get when we get a part of Canada wrong on Animal Thunderdome, maybe. No, there's a, we got a big Animal Thunderdome <laughs> story coming for you, yeah, by the way. Uh, but um, and it's live, so there's no telling what's going to happen with this story. But I'm tr- I was trying to think in the immediate aftermath of the J.R. Smith thing. I was sitting there. All three of my boys were up watching the game. I was watching it with my dad. I'm still down in Florida. This is the last day I'm down in Florida uh, doing the show. 
But it's late at night, and I was sitting there as I got ready for bed, brushed my teeth. I was trying to think, I don't even know what the equivalent in my profession I could do that would be as bad as what J.R. Smith did in this game. And and, it, and it's different for everybody out there who's driving into work, who has a different profession. This was such an egregious wrong. I mean, for instance, if you are a, uh, like, what's the most average job in America? If you were a school teacher, there are uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in this country who are school teachers. What's the school teacher equivalent of what J.R. Smith did in this game? Is it sleeping with a student? I, like, I, I, in terms of how dumb it is relative to your job obligations. Incorrectly like correcting someone's grammar and you're an English teacher? Yeah, that's not even that bad, though, because grammar can be tough. This is so far outside the bet. To me, when you're making $13 million a year, and again, I, I love you think, just think about the discrepancy here between the way everybody is watching this game. There are 20 million people across the country who know the stakes of that George Hill free throw. They are on pins and needles. They're leaned forward in their chair. They're rubbing their hands together. There's uh, pinpricks on their arms. They're so nervous. Their stomachs are all in a twist. Every Golden State and Cleveland fan just about would be in that category. This is a driving instructor getting a DUI. While giving an instruction to the kid? I don't think it's even I don't even think it's the equivalent of a driving instructor getting a DUI. I think it's you have to be drunk in your driving instructor car while giving a driving instructor instruction lesson. Okay, how about It's like a pilot showing up drunk at his job and also like I not being a like I I it's so bad. Yeah, what analogy? What other analogies do you have? You guys can hit me with your analogies for whatever the job is. Like what would you have to do in a normal job to be as bad as J.R. Smith was not knowing the score here? How about a teacher going to like do a presentation like you know on the projector from their laptop and they forget that they had porn open on the screen. It's a bad look. That would be a bad look. Um <laughs> That probably happens, by the way, a lot. But that's that's an so it's interesting because that is an error of you just didn't know it was there. Like that's not an error of cognition, right? That's not. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't. That's an embarrassing thing. But I think it's easier yeah. to understand how that could happen. This this For is instance, like this is like a demolition man blowing up the wrong building. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good that's or or a doctor operating on the wrong patient. You know, or, like every or you know, wrong organ. Yeah, or wrong leg. You know how like somebody's got an amputated leg and every now and then a doctor takes the wrong leg and you're like, Oh my god, like the guy was gonna have to only have one leg left and you took his good leg and left behind the bad leg. That's that's not a bad analogy. Um this is like a uh like a nurse pronouncing somebody dead and they're not actually dead. That's not good. That would be a a bad thing for an ICU nurse to do, for instance. Oh, my bad. We were bagging you up to take you to the uh, mortuary, and we just realized actually you're still alive. This this is I'm I'm, I'm going to check Twitter right now. You guys uh, can can talk. I'm sure there are some amazing suggestions rolling in right now on Twitter. But that to me is what is just like to me an incredible amount of failure here. Uh, and the picture of LeBron James pointing is going to be iconic for a long time because it just sums up so much of LeBron's tenure with the last couple of years of talent that he's had. Uh, this is uh, this is unbelievable. 
Uh, Vito weighed in right now. He said, this is like a pilot landing at the wrong airport. That's not bad. That's not bad. Get a pilot going to the wrong airport is a, is a great example. I mean, or landing in the water. Really tough. Well, landing in the water. Like, yeah, like that's a, a, a egregious flaw. But going to the wrong airport would be a total mental screw up. Like, oh, I thought we were seeing you land in St. Louis and you're like, oh, I thought we were supposed to go to Kansas. Like, th- that's pretty bad. That's pretty that's pretty bad in general. Um, all right, let's bring up Eddie Garcia. I'm going to read through all your tweets, see if you have any great suggestions of what that this could be like in other uh, arenas. But first, Eddie Garcia, what you got for us? Well, pretty eventful game one of the NBA Finals. Had a little bit of everything, including LeBron James becoming the first player ever to score 50 or more points in an NBA Finals game and have his team lose 124-114. Warriors over the Cavaliers in overtime. Golden State outscoring Cleveland 17-7 in that overtime period. Steph Curry had 29 points. Kevin Durant, 26 points. Klay Thompson, 24 points for Golden State as they grab the 1-0 series lead. Game 2 will be Sunday in Oakland. Some baseball games of note. Astros over the Red Sox 4-2 in a battle of division leaders. Houston's one game up on Seattle for the AL West lead. Boston has a game and half lead on New York in the AL East. A battle for first in the NL East with the Braves beating the Nationals 4-2, so Atlanta moves a half game up on Washington for first in the division. And for some of our LA listeners just getting up, uh, the Dodgers lose to the Phillies 2-1. Clayton Kershaw making his first start coming off the DL. Well, he had a back issue and he's going to have an MRI, not going to travel with the Dodgers uh, on their road trip. Uh, this update is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Good stuff. Appreciate it. We're here in the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. We got people calling in with analogies. I'll go to them here momentarily. What would this be the equivalent of J.R. Smith and what he did in any other walk of life? Give me a job and give me a profession that this would be the equivalent of. Uh, somebody saying, uh, Chesley saying, would J.R. Smith be the equivalent of an attorney entering the wrong plea for his client? That's not bad. That That is, uh, that's not a bad analogy there. Let's go to Chris in Houston. What you got for me, man? Hey, Clay. Uh, well, I thought about this right away. When I was in college, this video went viral. I think I compared this to the safety instructor talking about gun safety in class and shooting himself in the foot. That's a great, that's a great example. Yes, this would be perfect. If you are in charge of making sure that people handle firearms safely and you shoot yourself while giving an instruction of that uh, of that safety, that's a great example. Chris in Houston with that one. Uh, let's go to uh, Adam in Austin, Texas. What's up, Adam? Hey, thanks for taking my call. So to me, this is the equivalent of a manager walking in, promising raises to his department and then having to come in the next day and pull the rug out from underneath him because he's letting the whole team down, letting the management above down. Um, so that's how I compare it to. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Let's go to uh, Michael in Indianapolis. What's up, Michael? Hey, Clay, I love the show. Every time Appreciate I that. see this J.R. Smith, I think back to like five years ago, a young female fan reached out to him and probably wanting an autograph. J.R. responds, what, are you looking for some pipe? Oh, it's an amazing, it's amazing direct message. Yeah, a young female, uh, not young, I mean, she's like a, it's not like she's 14. I mean, she was of age, uh, sent J.R. Smith a message. I don't even remember. One of you guys should pull that up. But J.R. Smith's response to her was, you want the pipe. <laughs> you trying to get some pipe, I think is what it is. 
We need to pull. We need to pull mistaken. it up and make sure that we don't misquote what is an epic interchange uh, in the J.R. Smith situation. I've got so many different, um, so many different uh, people rolling in right now with suggestions. Um, but uh, yeah, wrong body in a casket at a funeral. That would be a tough thing to explain away. Um, the the Dewey defeats Truman. That's a tough situation. If you're in the media, you publish the newspaper. Dewey defeats Truman. Probably a good analogy in the uh, newspaper business for what J.R. Smith did in the basketball business. All of the 2000 presidential election, all the coverage where they were like, oh, Al Gore loses. Uh, George W. Bush wins. Oh, you know what? Let's walk that back. We're not exactly sure uh, what happens at all. Um Sleeping in a Wednesday, uh, thinking it was a Saturday, and <laughs> that would be that'd be a good point. Like it's the middle of the week. If you think it's Saturday, that's one thing. If it happens to be Friday, or if it's Monday and you think it's Sunday, when it's Wednesday and you're like, "Oh my bad, I thought it was Saturday," I can definitely see some of the people on this show showing up and making that excuse. What if you What if you uh, didn't have your time zone right and you uh, didn't show up to open a door for somebody that needed to be on the radio? No. Oh. DJ, yeah, DJ Big Boy he knows what we're talking about there. He's in the studio next door. Uh, by the way, a uh, some Drew says a president sleeping with an intern in the Oval Office. Yeah, that's that's not bad. Uh, JR's move, according to Steve McDa- McDaniel here, uh, pilot forgetting to put down the wheels to land the plane. Um, James Hudson says Trump trying to tweet but accidentally using the red phone to start nuclear war. Definitely see. Tweet. Did you see Gotta Paul? Hit this tweet, Danny. Paul tweeted. Yes. It's like a host leaving his key in the studio, asking yeah, for a key I mean, to your office to get in, then locking the key inside. Don't defend this, Clay. Just accept it. Just JR. Don't JR Smith this thing. Just go into your mea culpa here. Don't read a prepared statement. No. A couple of days ago, I didn't have the key card to let me into the building because, because? there's supposed to be somebody here. It's not yeah, my why building. Why did you get the key, Clay? You got a key so that if somebody didn't show up, you could make it in. And you left the key inside where it's not going to be useful to you Correct, outside. but it's not my responsibility for a place that I don't regularly work to be here in an empty building and turn like today. That's what happened. Yeah. Today I, I showed JR. up. DJ Big Boy wasn't here. Somebody should have called I a timeout, right? All of the lights were off. I turned them on and I got started. Are you going to walk out right now like the LeBron press conference? Yeah. No, I'm not going to walk out. I don't think I did anything wrong. It's the vet euthanizing the healthy pet. Uh, a public defender announcing his clients pleading guilty when he's actually going to c- contest it. Um, all of these, it's like having a CPA send in all his clients' tax returns day after they're due, or getting the tax returns mixed up. That's always my fear: is that you know how sometimes the waiter will come back to your table and they've got the one, uh, they've got the one bill and they give you the wrong bill. I'm always afraid somebody's going to mess up and just put my name at the top of a wrong tax return. And then I got the IRS after me. Uh, what is the direct quote from J.R. Smith? You trying to get the pipe, right? Yep. What was the, what was the question the girl asked? Uh, I'll bring back up the whole deal. It was a little bit of a conversation there in their DMs, but it was like one word each way, and then all of a sudden you trying to get the pipe. So J.R. just kind of escalated it from there. <laughs> yeah, uh, right, there's no doubt. Go. Hang on. Uh, equivalent of the cleveland browns apologies to cleveland missing a deadline to fax a trade uh we, we got a doctor removing the wrong limb um this is uh the biggest blunder since the prosecution in the oj simpson trial um there's there's a, yes i got it 
She asks, "I'm go- or she says, I'm going to your game tonight. Dope. Smile emoji. Oh, really? Oh, really what? Uh, kind of wink emoji. You trying to get the pipe. <laughs> you so it escalated doing, quickly. You doing emoji explanations is one of the worst reads, dramatic readings we've ever had in the history of the show. I mean, those uh, are like the whole messages, Clay. Like, I mean, yes. there's a message that's nothing but an emoji. What exactly do you want me to do? Not try to explain the wink emoji. It's like Eli Manning when he was on the stand trying to describe the emojis. Remember that? It's a great Saturday Night Live skit. Uh, Steve Harvey announcing the wrong Miss Universe is a great example. Uh, Matthew says it's uh, on call on call with calling your girlfriend by the wrong name oh, during, wait, wait, uh, wait. during sex. What about the Oscars with the yeah, whole Moonlight and <laughs> La La Land deal? Yeah, Moonlight. That's basically the... And, and also with Steve Harvey. With Steve Harvey yeah, announcing too. the wrong Miss Universe winner... And then coming back and having to correct himself. I think that's probably the best yeah. analogy is the Steve Harvey and also then the Oscars where they announced the wrong winner. Uh, anyway, we got an unbelievable close to the show. An unbelievable live Animal Thunderdome story, the likes of which is going to blow your mind. I'm telling you right now, you are not going to want to miss this. This is going to make your weekend at least get it started early epic animal thunderdome up next i'm clay travis south kick the coverage on fox sports radio what does it mean when geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance it means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago twitter is blown up amazing suggestions rolling in uh this is uh this is pretty phenomenal a lot of you uh coming in with the uh coming in with the example of uh of i think it's it's a good one making the wrong name at your wedding that would be pretty difficult if you said your ex's name when you're standing up in front of the whole church or in front of the whole community and they say would you take this woman and you say the wrong name as part of your vows that would be tough and it's your ex-girlfriend's name i don't know that you ever recover from that i I don't know if that's ever happened but can you imagine the gasp that would take place inside of the uh of the wedding for the both the the groom and the bride, if you're like writing out your own uh your own verse of your your vows, and instead of saying the name of your spouse to be, you say the name of your previous ex at your wedding. I I think honestly, you probably have to just call off the wedding at that point. That's tough to get back. It's tough to get past. Uh, what does it mean, by the way? Did I do that read? I don't know. Speaking of blowing it, uh, if we didn't, we'll do another one. Uh, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. I just J.R. Smith that opening. Let's go to, uh, I want to make sure we have time for this because this is unbelievable and it's happening right now live in Germany. Jason Martin, what's taking place? But first, cue the Animal Thunderdome music. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I have a bone constrictor stuck to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. Lunebach is in western Germany near the Belgian border, also near Luxembourg. And it's now kind of the center of the Animal Thunderdome. And a crazy, crazy story. There has been a ton of rain in this area. Experts say there has not been rainfall like this in about 70 years. And the flooding has caused problems in a zoo 
in Lunebach, the Eiffel Zoo, located on the outskirts of the city around 11 miles from the Belgian border, home to around 400 animals, including lions, tigers, and other large cats. And because of the flooding, some of the fencing was corrupted or kind of cratered in or became scalable in some way. And what happened is a bear, two lions, two tigers, a puma, and another jaguar escaped the zoo. The bear has been shot. It was found and shot. Authorities are still looking for the two lions, the two tigers, and at least the jaguar at this point. Police advising people to remain in their homes, keep windows and doors closed, and remain vigilant in case there are lions and tigers literally outside their doors right now. Oh my god. Like, this is this is pretty unbelievable Animal Thunderdome. I mean, I wish we were carried live in Germany right now. Germany's one of our big downloads uh, markets. We need to get somebody who was in this town to report live about what it's like when there are lions and tigers literally roaming in the German countryside. So when did they escape officially? How long have they been on Last the... Night. On the so what time is it over in Germany right now? It's around like two o'clock in the afternoon, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Uh, yeah, I I be- uh, yeah, ble- yeah, I believe that's right. They were able to escape after the flooding from a storm Thursday night. There is a resident that's lived about a mile from the zoo for many, many years that says from what he's been told and what he's seen, a dam broke inside the zoo, which caused the flooding to get worse a whole lot quicker. There were two storms converging together, so it was a ton of rain, and then you had a dam that broke. And then all of a sudden, the animals just saw their move, and they were like, all right, I'm out. And they J.R. Smith with the basketball right on out of that zoo. <laughs> By the way, you're saying that, that, that my scenario, I don't even, I, I didn't watch all the Friends, that my scenario happened to Ross and Rachel in the Friends Season 5 opener? Yeah, uh, he said Rachel instead of Emily. Ross did when he was doing his wedding vows. Uh, Cooper actually reminded me of that, and then I went and looked it up to get the right episode. But uh, yeah, it didn't work out real well because if you didn't know, Ross and Emily did not end up together long term. Yeah, I think if you're getting married and your spouse says the wrong name at the vow, you have to get divorced right then, or you have to, I guess, not get divorced. You stop the wedding and just walk out. And just go straight to the bar, even if you're in your wedding dress or your tuxedo, and just start drinking until you black out. I think that's the only possible move you can make if that happens. You're there doing your vows, and they say the other name. Clay, there's lions and tigers just walking around a German town right now. Yeah, or just hope that one of those lions and tigers is also loose, and it just kills you as soon as you walk outside of the church. Because I don't know how you deal with that. That's crazy that there's lions and tigers left. Yeah, lions and tigers and a jaguar. Well, that's a tough break. Um, almost as tough of a break as being J.R. Smith's teammate, feeling like you have game one in the NBA Finals one. And I just, I can't stop thinking about J.R. Smith. I wish we could have a, you know, like thought bubble inside of his head. There are 20 million people out there who are like, I hope George Hill makes this or misses it. And everybody is plugged in, aware of the significance of that free throw. And J.R. Smith is like, oh, this doesn't matter. We already got the lead. We got this. And then he gets the rebound, and I would love to see his thought process then because he's like, I'm going to dribble this out. They're not going to be able to get to me. Look how shifty I am. They can't even get to me. The only thing that could have made this crazier is if somebody had fouled him, just like when somebody picks up a fumble and runs the wrong way and he gets the the blockers or the other team tries to tackle him. That's the only thing the Warriors fans can be happy about. They didn't do that. We're out on OutKick.
You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying, flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!